0: piles of paper on your desk at home never sure which receipts statements and documents to save and which to shred well you're not alone Hi, I'm Rob West. Even the best household money managers struggle with paper clutter. But if you're ready to dig your way out and slay those piles of paper, I'll share a simple way to do it. Then it's on to your calls at 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is MoneyWise Live, biblical wisdom for your financial decisions. Obviously, God's word has nothing to say about the pound of junk mail that lands in your mailbox every day or how you should organize files of stuff you need to keep. But Romans thirteen seven does say this, pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed. It's pretty hard to do that if you don't have some kind of record keeping system in place and you're not sure what papers you need to keep or for how long. Did you know that by some estimates, you can toss at least half of everything that ends up in your mailbox? It's junk mail and other things you don't need to keep. But you should never just toss unwanted mail directly into your recycling bin or trash can. It could contain unwanted credit offers that identity thieves could use to open accounts in your name. So, if you don't already have one, the first thing you need to get is a shredder. But not just any shredder. You want one that makes cross-cuts. In one pass, it will cut the paper into strips and then cross-chop those strips into tiny pieces. You can take it a step further and get a micro-cut shredder. It does the same thing, but the cross-cuts are really, really small. You can get a cross-cut shredder starting at around $50 and a micro-cut for around 100 It's a worthwhile investment to know that dumpster diving thieves can't get your personal information. Okay, so now you've got your shredder warmed up and you're ready to go. You just need to know what to feed into it. And for that, you'll set up a three-drawer system based on how long you need to hang on to things. Anything that doesn't go into one of the three drawers goes straight into the shredder. So in your first drawer go documents that you need to keep permanently. These are things like your birth certificate, passport, car titles, property deeds, marriage certificates, and your Social Security card. Those items are difficult to replace, so you need to keep them safe. And speaking of safes, it's a good idea to keep those things in a fireproof safe. You can get one for as little as $20 on up to $1,000 or more. I know it's more money to shell out, but in case of a fire, it's good to know that those valuable documents will survive. There are a few other things you should keep in your fireproof safe. You'll also want to permanently store your Roth IRA contribution history and any medical receipts if you have a health savings account. Those items may come in handy for many years. You may be asking, why keep Roth statements? It's because your Roth contributions aren't recorded anywhere in your tax documents. So if you decide to withdraw Roth funds before you reach the age of 59 and a half, you have to know your basis or how much you've contributed with after-tax income. You're not taxed on that amount if you withdraw early. Twenty years from now, that information could come in very handy. And speaking of taxes, let's move on to drawer number two and giving unto Caesar. In there, you'll keep anything you need to fill out your 1040, including supporting forms like W-2s and 1099s. Definitely anything where the IRS was also mailed a copy. In an attempt to be helpful, the IRS advises you to keep those documents for three to seven years. But which is it? Three or seven? It's best to not take chances. I'd hang on to all of your tax docs for at least seven years, and then you should be safe to toss them. The IRS rarely looks back more than six years. But keep in mind, there's no statute of limitations on the IRS taking you to court for tax fraud, which of course you would never do. But if you've got the space, why throw out any tax documents? Now, so far you're probably thinking, I'm not making much progress cleaning up the paper clutter. Well, we've just been laying the foundation for your efficient record-keeping system, establishing what not to throw out. Which brings us to drawer number three. In there, you'll put all the material you need to keep for just one year. Things like utility bills, bank statements, pay stubs, and bills. After that, you can feed them straight into your shredder. There's one exception, though. If you're self-employed with a home office, for example, some of the one-year items can be declared as expenses, and you need to move those over to drawer number two and keep them for seven years. After you've done all that, you should be left with a huge pile of useless paper. Now the shredding can begin in earnest. When it's finished, you'll have a lot more room for your coffee cup and pictures of your kids. Your calls are next, 800-525-7000. This is MoneyWise Live. I'm Rob West, and we'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in to Money Wise Live. I'm Rob West, your host. This is biblical wisdom for your financial decisions. What's on your mind today? Is it saving or giving? Perhaps it's retirement or your credit score. We're going to tackle a host of issues today. We've got some lines open, though. We'd love to hear from you. Here's the number, 800-525-7000. In just a moment, we're going to talk to Aura in Florida about credit score, and it's uh, the impact on that score when a card gets closed. But first, to Esther in Maryland. Thank you for your patience. And Esther, you're our first caller. How can I help?
1: Uh, Yes, hi. I'm so very happy to be able to speak with you, Rob West. um, Thank you. My question is that my husband is uh, 70 this year, and he's wanting to retire at the end of the year, and I'm 72 older woman (laughs) but anyway um, I uh, became disabled in 1997 and have not worked since we're both um, on Medicare Uh, my husband I think took it at 65 and I took mine when I took off work Um, the question is we we have a house that that my husband built in 2008 the floors are the only thing that needs to be uh, put down and also the bathroom, um, pile. And, um, we, um, uh, my husband came into an inheritance, unfortunately, um, you know, someone we love dearly passed on and we have a, okay. the inheritance enough to pay the house completely off. And my question is, um, it doesn't leave a lot of uh, savings. I we have thirty thousand in savings, which isn't much at our age. But um, we, yes. I have a CD that's twenty eight hundred and an IRA that's thirty four thousand. And I figured up all the expenses here, and at the end of the month, we would only have. 148 to save, which would total out to 1,776 a year if we're very careful, and we we have no um, we'll be debt free.
0: Okay. (laughs) <laughs> Very good. Uh, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. First of all, uh, Esther, I'm, to, I'm sorry to hear about your family members passing, and uh, but I'm glad you're being thoughtful about how to use these resources. Uh, you know, I love the idea of you all being debt-free, especially with you living off of Social Security and him transitioning out of the workforce. I'm glad to hear you've done a budget that's essential for you to understand what your monthly need is so you can order your finances accordingly. Uh, clearly if you pay off the home, that's going to make that even easier because you'll eliminate that mortgage payment. How much would that free up on a monthly basis?
1: Oh, gee, I figured everything but that. Um, We would bring in $3,996 a month, and um, it would free up uh, because we were on a variable rate, which is really bad, um, it would free up twenty right now almost twenty four uh hundred and also okay. my hud- husband wouldn't have to pay the taxes anymore once he he retires and because Maryland the taxes is there you know for you yes. have to pay taxes but we would have to pay the um property tax yes but there's of something course. called forest management that my husband was talking about and that okay. would cut that payment and that in half he, he feels.
0: Okay. Uh, so let me just make sure I'm clear. When you said you did your budget and you'd have about a hundred left over or so on a monthly basis, you were including the mortgage payment in that or not? no. Okay. So it really requires you uh, to pay off the home in order to make your budget balance. Otherwise, you'd have to pull money out of this inheritance every month once you retire to be able to cover your expenses and the mortgage payment. Is that correct? Yes, that's
1: that's correct. That's why we need to pay everything, you know, pay everything off so we can make it.
0: Yeah. So, you know, I'm on board with that. I mean, it's your age and stage of life. I'd love for you to have 12 months expenses in savings. So if you're living on, you know, 3,900, I'd love for you to have about 45,000, which is a little more than you have today. It sounds like you have about 30 or so. Uh, So I think you've got two options at this point. Option one is, yeah, you just go ahead and pay it off. Uh, You know, the challenge is we're left with, You know, not a whole lot, but at least the budget balances, and you've got $100 margin or a couple of thousand a year uh, that you could continue to boost your savings. If something came out of left field, though, you'd have to take a home equity loan or do something like that. The other approach is to refinance this at a low fixed rate, uh, you know, with a much smaller balance. So let's say you carry a small $50,000 mortgage, uh, you know, at a 2.5% interest rate, which allows you to keep, you know, uh, maybe another 50 or so plus the 30. So now you have 80,000 in savings to kind of fall back on if you need it. Um, you know, that might give you a little bit more peace of mind. So you're not kind of cash poor in terms of, you know, not having a whole lot to fall back on and having everything tied up into your home. And then, you know, because you have that much smaller payment, uh, you know, hopefully everything still balances. And, you know, I'd be looking at probably a 10 year mortgage so that, you know, in the next 10 years, the house is paid off free and clear. But if you all feel like, uh, you know, you recognize that you don't have a lot to fall back on, the budget's going to be tight, so you're going to have to be very careful there, and you just would have a lot more peace of mind knowing that the house is paid off in full, then I would say, you know, by all means, go ahead. Does that make sense, though?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I actually thought about what you just said, like like not paying the whole uh, mortgage off, but my husband wants to pay the whole mortgage off, and that sounds good, too. <laughs> so
0: okay, yeah. That's why well, I, to I
2: call you to...
0: Yeah. And and that makes sense to me. I mean, I think you all would feel better knowing you own your home free and clear. Uh, Yes, you're, you know, using up these funds, but by God's grace, you have them, right? And so let's rejoice in that. And then it sounds like you're very conscientious and careful with your spending plan. It's going to be critical that you remain that way. And, you know, I think over time, you will see that uh, if you stay focused on your budget, as long as something doesn't come out unexpected, then you should be okay, uh, at the very least you could look at other options like a reverse mortgage or selling and downsizing at some point down the road. The good news is you'll be completely debt free, which gives you ultimate freedom and flexibility. So I like either plan. And if you all have a conviction around paying it off, then I would say go for it and don't look back. We appreciate you checking in with us, Esther. May the Lord bless you. 800-525-7000 to Lehigh, uh, excuse me, Lehigh Acres, Florida. Hi, Aura. How can I help?
3: Hi, thanks for taking my call. And I want you to know how much we appreciate the knowledge that you guys share with us, you know. Oh, Every thank day you. we learn something more.
0: That's okay, very my sweet. My
3: question is <laughs> You're welcome. My question is my son told my husband that okay, if our credit card is closed, you know, it's that it will lower our FIFA score and because with yeah. them closing the company. Is that true?
0: Uh, why would they be closing it? Because of inactivity or some other reason?
3: Inactive. Activity, inactivity. Yeah. You know, their interest rate yeah. is just so high, and we've just decided not to use the card anymore.
0: Yeah, yeah. After- well, and, and that's very common. Uh, or you'll see that in the fine print, that if uh, they give you a, a, um, a period by which, if you don't use the card in a certain length of time, they can close it. The reason is that, uh, you know, they want to make sure that the limit that's been allocated to you is really not doing them any benefit if you're not using it. They'd rather extend it to somebody else who's going to charge and not pay it back, and then they can charge those exorbitant interest rates. Uh, The question, though, is uh, by that being closed due to inactivity and not for any other reason, is that going to affect you negatively? Um, it may temporarily, it would be temporary, and it wouldn't be significant. Here's the reason why, Aura. Uh, what's interesting is that it's all about the debt to limit ratio. And so in your credit scoring model, is the total limit That's been extended to you across all of your accounts versus the balances that you're carrying specifically in the revolving credit area. And when that account is closed, that reduces the overall uh, limit that's been extended to you in the aggregate, which means any balances you're carrying uh, are a higher percentage of the uh, total that you have. But if you're paying everything off every month, then that's probably not a consideration. Uh, The other thing that it changes is perhaps the length of your credit history, if this is an account that you've had for a while. Uh, The other factor is the kinds of credit that you have. It could change that mix as well. But the bottom line is if you follow biblical principles of managing money, you're uh, managing your money wisely, living within your means, paying off your debt, paying on time, anything that you owe – any uh, temporary reduction uh, in your credit score would be just that. I wouldn't give it a second thought. If this is a card you're not using, I'd rather you close it because then it's less susceptible to fraud. Nobody can tap into it. Thanks for your call today. 800-525-7000. We'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in to Money Wise Live. Here at MoneyWise Media, our goal is to help you know God's heart as it relates to managing his money. We do that through uh, teaching, whether it's our content here on the air each day or on our website under the Learn tab at MoneyWiseLive.org, through helping you manage God's money wisely. That's our innovative tools like our MoneyWise app where you can manage your money using our digital envelope system or through connecting. That's right. We want to connect you with other stewards to encourage you on the way as well as experts who can guide you and walk with you, whether you need a MoneyWise coach, for a spending plan or a debt reduction plan or a certified kingdom advisor professional. But as we help you learn and manage and connect, our hope is that you can really move forward with confidence to live with contentment and peace of mind. If you want to engage with any of that, we'd encourage you to visit our website, moneywiselive.org. Great content and tools and resources. You can also post a question in the Money Wise community and get an answer from our coaches and others on the journey. Again, moneywiselive.org. Dot org. We've got, uh, let's see, one line open, 800-525-7000. Let's head next to Cleveland, Ohio, WCRF. Hi, Michelle, go ahead.
4: Hi, thank you for taking my call. Um, I just have a real quick question. I wanted to consolidate a few different 401K and 403B plans, and I start a new job next week. And my question is, and I've looked on um, um, individual IRA-type groups, And I see that the fees uh, vary. And I looked at betterments and they say um, it's about half of what I'm paying now with the person managing my funds. So would you recommend that I roll all of these into my new employer's fund or do the individual IRA and then do those, um, like the betterments and that? Do they have the ability to just up the fees at random? And then do they do the same investments as something, like, Are they do they have the same exposure to the same funds as, like, a Fidelity or a, one of the more widely known groups?
0: Sure, sure. Yeah, great questions there, Michelle. Let me just make sure I understand the pieces and parts. So you have an IRA currently that's being managed by an advisor in addition to uh, an old 401k and 403b. Did I get that right?
4: Yeah, um, the person I'm referring to as the advisor is the one that manages um, the employer that I'm leaving. So okay. when I leave that employer, I'd like to kind of like put a, put all the uh, funds in a, the same pool.
0: I see. Yeah, that makes sense. So you don't have an individual retirement account, an IRA separate from the old 401k. Okay, and what do you have in retirement assets in that old four hundred one k plus uh, your new plan? If there's already anything in there, what's the total?
4: Um, it's about four hundred fifty thousand.
0: Okay, and obviously the majority of that is in that four hundred one k with the company you're leaving.
4: Um, actually, no, that's from a previous employer.
0: Okay, and and the majority of that four hundred fifty is there. Is that correct?
5: Yes. Yeah. Uh huh.
4: Okay.
0: Great. Uh, Yeah. So, you know, this is a significant sum of money, obviously. You've worked hard uh, and sacrificed to put this money away. I suspect it's grown quite a bit. And so, as you think about where to go from here, I actually would favor, with this amount of money, uh, you working with a, an investment advisor, an individual. Uh, yes, you're going to pay a little bit more than you would with a robo-advisor solution, and more than if you were to just roll it into the 401k. Uh, the reason, though, that I think that's worth it is with this amount of money, uh, I think you want somebody who's going to be a little bit more hands-on. Uh, essentially, with the robo-advisor solution, although, as you said, it's probably half or perhaps more, uh, it's probably even less than half of what you'd pay with the advisor. Um, It's essentially kind of an autopilot solution that uses exchange-traded funds. Uh, So in the case of Betterment, you'd own indexes uh, that cover the broad market, uh, and those indexes would be based on some allocation of stocks and bonds that's consistent with your age and objective. So you'd own the broad market. It's a passive investment strategy that's, intended just to capture the moves of the market over time and you know there's some basis for why you might want to do that. Uh, The benefit though to an advisor actually taking control of this is there can be a bit more hands-on in terms of the allocation, the investment strategy, the tax efficiency of this. If you want to do any giving that can be factored into this using appreciated assets Uh, Over time, you know, once you have a required minimum distribution down the road. So, you know, you get what you pay for, and I think there's a good case with this amount of money to have somebody looking after it on a regular basis. The downside of the 401k with this amount is you're limited in those investment options to just a few investments inside the 401k as opposed to the total investment universe that an advisor would have access to. So, I'd encourage you to find a CKA in your area, two or three to interview at moneywiselive.org. We've got to hit a break. Stay on the line. We'll talk a bit more off the air we'll be right back thanks for tuning in to money wise live biblical wisdom for your financial journey I'm Rob West your host taking your calls and questions today we have a couple of lines open 800. 800- 5257000 Hey let me ask whether you've prayerfully considered supporting Moneywise Media if you've consider yourself a part of our Moneywise community perhaps you benefit from this program on occasion or you've taken advantage of one of our coaches or you've been to the dot Live, uh, excuse me moneywise.live.org website where you can consume our content or maybe you use the moneywise app well all of that is made possible by our listeners those of you who support this ministry on a regular basis If you'd like to do that, it's quick and easy. You can just head over to MoneyWiseLive.org and click the Donate button. Let's head back to the phones. And Mike is in Wisconsin. How can I help you, sir?
2: Uh, Yeah, say I've got, uh, I'm going to retire in a year and a half. I'll be 57 years old and my wife is going to do the same thing.
0: We have a rental
2: property worth about $130,000, which we're wondering if we should sell that and put it into a retirement account, or we're getting $650 a week or a month uh, income on that. So should we keep that and have the steady income there, or take the lump sum, sell it, take the lump sum, and put it into a retirement account?
0: Yeah. Well, you wouldn't be able to just dump it into a retirement account. It would be a taxable account that you would certainly be able to invest. Is that what you're thinking?
2: Well, yeah, I guess what I mean, whatever we would have to do. I haven't looked into it too much, but we're just wondering if we should sell it it or keep it.
0: Yeah, no, it's a great question. You know, here's the way I would walk through this. Um, You know, you'd want to look at what you're generating now on a monthly basis and compare that to what you could reasonably expect to generate safely, uh, you know, if you were to invest it. So you said you're pulling in about $650 a month, uh, or about 8000 a year. Uh, you know, if you were to sell this, you would, uh, you know, you'd have the fees, the real estate fees, and then uh, because it's a rental property, you'd have any capital gains on the uh, you know, the proceeds or excuse me, the profit that you make. And then if you were to turn around and invest that, uh, you know, let's say you end up with, uh, you know, 115 to 120,000, uh, you'd probably end up with somewhere around 400 a month on a really conservative basis where you'd want to you know, generate enough to protect the capital and throw off an income, uh, which would you know only bring in about five thousand fifty-five hundred a year. Um, so, you know, I think all things being equal, at least currently, um, you know, I, I don't see you perhaps bringing in as much, um, you know, as you're bringing in right now if this is invested in a way that um, you know doesn't take too much risk. Um, and allows you to safely pull off an income. Um, but the trade off I think to consider uh, around this decision is not only what you can generate on a monthly basis, but as you head into this next season of life, um, do you want to be a landlord? And, you know, are you comfortable with the upkeep and the involvement that you have to put into maintaining this property? Or would you prefer a more passive investment strategy, which is kind of the non-financial aspect of of this decision? So uh, tell me your thoughts on those two pieces. One is kind of the fact that you'd probably be looking at a little bit less in the form of income on a monthly basis with the investments in order to protect it. Um, and then secondly the trade-off with uh, you having to be involved as a landlord and just the work that goes into that
2: well there's really not too much work we completely redid the house before we rented it out so there's basically no upkeep we did all brand new appliances uh carpet uh windows doors everything completely redid it so there's not much upkeep and uh yeah, I guess I don't. I don't mind doing that. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, are busy. you? We're, not real old. we're still in pretty okay. good shape, and uh... yeah.
0: Okay. So you're young, uh, yeah, and you've uh, you've got the ability to do this, and it hasn't been too much for you. Are you relying on that six hundred and fifty a month, to, you know, as a part of your budget?
2: Not really. We've got a. Uh, we're going to be getting about three thousand a month uh, through a pension, and then we can get into our annuities at. 59 and a half. So there'll be a little bit of a bridge, but uh, we have okay. about 170,000 in savings and our portfolio is around 750,000.
0: Okay. So we're not and exactly,
2: pull- I mean, hurting, but I mean, we'll be comfortable yeah. with well, with what we're doing.
0: And are you planning to pull an income off of the 750 or is that money just excess that's going to continue to grow?
2: Well, for now, it'll just continue to grow because we can get by on our pension and uh, this rental.
0: Well, I think given that new information for me around you having, you know, three quarters of a million dollars in in, uh, investment assets, in addition to this property, I'd probably hang on to it. It's generating a phenomenal uh, return. It's not been a lot of work for you, and it diversifies you among a different asset class. So you're not all at the risk of the stock and bond markets. Uh, You have real estate in the mix here, which, you know, is, I think, going to give you further diversification. And then, obviously, down the road, if at some point it becomes too much in the way of upkeep, you could sell it. But I think uh, you guys are in, obviously, a really strong position, living well within your means. You've got plenty of income. You've got phenomenal assets that you don't even need to tap, at least at this point, because you're living modestly. So uh, I'd probably hang on to the property as long as you can continue to earn that income and stay really well diversified. I think the only other thing to look at, Mike, is just, do you want to do any giving, you know, out of this? And before you sell this property, look at an opportunity to perhaps move a portion of it into a, a donor advised fund or something like that, where you can mix out, miss out on the, uh, any capital gains that you have, uh, coming to you and do some additional giving as a part of that, just given that it sounds like you all have more than you need at this point. So uh, just think and pray through that. But in terms of uh, the decision to sell it or keep the property, I'd probably say, based on everything I know, uh, I'd hang on to it.
2: Yeah, that's uh, that was kind of our thoughts all along. We just figured we'd get another in of uh... Uh, advice you know and uh, okay. but that's kind of our thoughts also to divers- diversify and do the same thing as just what you said really
0: very good well listen thanks for checking in with us mike tell your wife i agree and uh all best uh to you guys in the days ahead lord bless you on to boca raton florida quickly tony how can i help you sir
2: hi hi Bob. hi
3: how go right know, ahead um yeah, I was just calling uh, as a follow-up from a couple of weeks ago. I called uh, asking about an advice for buying with my mom uh, a house uh, that she can rent some part of it and and kind of, you know, subsidize some part of it so that she can afford something uh, bigger. And um, so uh, in, in, in that call, you, you advised me to uh not go on something on you know not go on something that will hurt us uh, on the mortgage payment uh something that we couldn't afford which is what we got approved for for four hundred and seventeen thousand so um we we lowered that number but uh as i was uh, as i've been looking and researching i was thinking about the option of refinancing my current home and maybe with that pay some of my debt so I can have more cash flow and help her out pay her mortgage.
0: I see. Okay, let's do this, Uh, Tony. I want to give you my thoughts on this, and I have a couple of follow-up questions, but we need to hit a quick break, our last one of the program today. So let's do that. You hold the line. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, I'll uh, give you my thoughts, and we'll go from there. This is Money Wise Live, biblical wisdom for your financial decisions. Stay with us. Still more to come just around the corner. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Moneywise Live. I'm Rob West, your host. Tony from Boca Raton called in just before the break and was sharing with us his desire to help his mom buy a home. She's currently renting. He'd love for her to take that same amount and put it toward a mortgage payment. And he wants to help her do that. Tony, I think the question is whether you and your wife are in a financial position to do that. I appreciate your generous heart and your wanting to help your mom and help her make wise financial decisions. I don't want you, though, to get overextended in the process. Uh, your current home, you've got about 170,000 in equity. It's worth three seventy. You said you owe about $200,000. you have got uh, two car loans and about 16000 in credit card debt, which uh, tells me that, you know, you've been, for whatever reason, whether it was, uh, you know, extenuating circumstances or just living beyond your means, you, you know, spent beyond what you had the ability to pay. And that's a red flag for me that tells me you need to get your financial help. House in order. I would, you know, if you were just calling me saying, should I refinance to pull cash out to pay credit cards? I'd say no, because in just about every case, when you do that, usually you're treating the symptom of the problem and not the problem. And so it takes the pressure off. It takes that unsecured debt now secures it to your home. And then you're going to call me back, typically, I'm not saying this is the way you're going to do it, but typically that person would call me back in a year and say, yeah, the credit card debt's back. Because we didn't, you know, we weren't living on a budget, we were overextended, spending more than we had. And then that's going to be magnified by the fact that, you know, you're trying to help mom get into this house and put your name on yet a second home uh, that has a, you know, a very large mortgage on it. Um, so I I guess those are my issues. Um, you know, I realize you said she has about 20,000 to put down on it. Plus she could cover the mortgage, which with what she's currently paying toward rent, which is probably no small amount. How much were you looking to add to her 20 to help her get into this? Or were you just going to put your name on it?
3: I put put my name on it and help her with the monthly mortgage payment, uh,
0: uh, by how how much were you planning to contribute toward the mortgage payment?
3: Um, like two hundred, four hundred. But if if I get to pay the debt sooner that I have, maybe I help more.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, like I say, I, I appreciate what you're trying to do. I genuinely do. And we want to honor our parents. I think that's very biblical. I just have cons- some concerns here that you're going to get overextended by co-signing on a property you really can't afford and trying to put some money against that on a monthly basis when you've got, you know, your credit card debt. And I really don't want you to take that 16000 and add it to your house. Uh, because of the reasons I mentioned, you know, we're taking unsecured debt, securing it to your home. And I really have some questions about whether, you know, you guys are making progress on that on your own. What I'd love to see you do is just say to mom, listen, let's keep renting for a little while. Let me take care of my financial situation. I'd get you on a credit counseling program. I'd take every bit of that 400 you were going to send to mom and try to go after those credit cards, not roll that into a new mortgage and extend it out for 20 or 30 years. Um, You know, I would really just focus in on getting that paid off. And then when you're a little financially stronger, then you say to mom, and by the way, a year or two down the road, we may see some housing prices a little better than they are today because the housing market's been red hot. Then you guys look at buying something at that point. I realize that's probably not what you want to hear, but I just think that's more prudent. Do you follow me?
3: Yeah, I, I I do understand it. Um, yeah, we, we have, my wife and I, we have been working for four years in to reduce the debt. Um, I mean, we are still continuing, of course, on it. We, we went from 25,000 that we had in debt on credit cards and we have gone to get down below to 60,000 and we had all the debt that we had to pay for some taxes that we had also to pay some debt taxes yeah. that we had to pay. So we got, we have, we have been, consciously trying to, you know, reduce every every day to death more and more and more mm-hmm. um, yeah. to get to uh, that point. But, you know, okay. I just want to... Yeah. Well, change. I'm
0: encouraged by that. I, I really am. But I still think it's premature for you to put your name on a second property. I just don't think you have the financial ability to do that, especially when you're committing to subsidize the payment, which tells me that she can't afford the house either. Uh, you know, as much as I love the idea of you helping her, I just don't think you're quite ready. So I'd wait until you get these credit cards paid off before you consider anything like this. That's just my best advice for you, bud. Uh, don't hesitate to call back at any point. And And uh, we'll certainly pray that God gives you some wisdom. Thank you for your call today, Tony. Indianapolis, Indiana. Hi, Linda. How can I help?
1: Hi.
5: I am 65 years old. I have no savings. I'm on Social Security disability. I owe like $50,000 on my home. I got $15,000 of credit card debt. How can I pay my credit? house off within the five years, or within five years, or what do I need to do to save, or I don't
0: know. Yeah, well, uh, what? tell me about this, paying the house off in five years. Is that your your own goal, or is there something that happens with the mortgage in five years?
5: Yeah, my own goal, you know, I'm 65, you know, my health is not, you know, I had polio when I was little, and you know, I'm on social security disability. I do work two days a week, and You know, I kind of want to pay my house off within the five years. You know, like I said, I do got credit card debt of like $15,000, I guess.
0: Okay. Well, a couple of thoughts. I mean, number one is uh, just make sure you're within the rules of what SSDI allows you to do in terms of work. There's some pretty strict limits there if you have what's called substantial gainful activity uh, you know, that will eliminate your, your benefit there. Um, so just check into that first of all, and maybe you already have, but secondly, I wouldn't be as focused on the house right now as I would that credit card debt. You know, if you have margin left over at all, I'd be putting it on that credit card debt of roughly 15,000. I think you said, uh, at this point, once that's paid off, that's going to take a big load off and give you more that you can use to shore up uh, your savings, which is really another huge priority, um, you know, I would be uh, with that excess you have on a monthly basis. The first thing I do is open a savings account separate from your checking and I'd put a little bit in every month until you get to $1,500. Then I'd stop there and take every other bit of margin and move it toward the credit card debt and try to get those paid off. I wouldn't touch any extra principal payments on the house until the credit card debt is gone. It just doesn't make sense, given what you're probably paying in interest. Uh, Linda, I would also connect with my friends at at, uh, christiancreditcounselors.org christiancreditcounselors.org. Their number is uh, 800-557-1985, if you'd rather call 800-557-1985. These are Christians that would help you get those interest rates down, get on one monthly payment every month, and pay off that debt 80% faster. So uh, that'd be uh, my best advice for you. But if you have other questions along the way, Linda, don't hesitate to give us a call. We're going to finish today in Lakeland, Florida. Hi, Gina. How can I help?
5: Hi, thank you so much for taking my call. I'm just curious of your opinion on, right now we know that we have a seller's market. We don't have a buyer's market. So we have a home that we know is would give us a profit of about $220,000 if we sold it. And then our thought is we would have to take that money and reinvest it in a home that is probably not as, as good of a quality, um, and we're going to end up with a mortgage, of course, because the high, the high market that we're in. So I'm just wanted to try to get your opinion on what you're thinking about what might be happening in the housing market and what kind of direction we should go.
0: Yeah, uh, great question, Gina. So you're uh, talking about your primary residence in both cases. You'd be selling where you currently live and buying your new primary residence. Is that right?
5: That's correct.
0: Okay. And you said you would make a profit of about 200000
5: yeah, about between 200000 and 220000 is the profit that we'd make by selling our home.
0: Yeah, okay. And you've lived there two out of the last five years?
5: I'm sorry?
0: Have you lived there two out of the last five years? Yes, sir. Okay, great. So you shouldn't have any capital gains on this. Um, so the question then is, you know, why are you selling? You're looking to buy something a little larger, or what are you trying to accomplish by selling?
5: Yeah, we would like to downsize. There's two of us living in a four-bedroom, four-bath house.
0: Okay, you want to downsize. Okay, uh, and why do you think you would um, have to spend more than what you would already have, have spent on this?
5: The homes that we're looking, we owe right now about 155000 on the home that we're in. And yeah. every home that we look at now is up in the 200 range. That's even a, you know, just a small home like a 1,600 square feet home is still up in the 240,000 range. So we're thinking we would have to take all of our profit and reinvest it into a home. Of course, it would be close to be being paid off, but we just don't know if that's a wise decision. We don't know what the market's going to do. Should we wait to see if it's going to uh, come yeah. back down as far as the buyers? Well,
0: no, I don't think so. I mean, as long as you're buying the home that makes sense for you, meaning it fits into your budget and it sounds like because you're downsizing and you have so much profit, that's not the issue. Uh, You know, what's challenging is for folks that don't have a property to sell. So they're currently renting or they're buying their first home. You know, you are coming out of a home in a seller's market. So you're going to maximize the sale uh, on on this existing home and then turn around and plow those profits into the next home, which, yes, it's still a seller's market. You'd be paying a premium, but you collected more than you should have, all things being equal, on the sale of the property. And so you know, I don't have any problem as long as it's a wise move for you. Where is the housing market going? Well, of course, no one knows. But what I would say is we've already seen somewhat of a cooling of the housing market, what led to the incredibly high uh, growth rates in housing uh, was real demand. Uh, People moving out of downtown into the suburbs, the millennials becoming ages where they're having kids and wanting a single family home. Uh, All that is real demand. We had low inventory. Some of that, though, is being corrected. And that's why we're seeing a softening in the housing market. It's not a bubble, though. So I think as long as you're selling a top dollar, go ahead and buy the home that's right for you. I wouldn't delay that uh, if, uh, you know, just based on what's going on in the market right now. Uh, stay on the line. We'll talk a bit more off the air. That's going to do it, though, for us today. Money Wise Live is a partnership between Moody Radio and Money Wise Media. I want to say thank you to my team today, Jim, a- Amy, uh, Deb, and Gabby T. And uh, thank you for being here as well. We'll be back tomorrow. Look for you then. God bless you.
5: Bye-bye.